Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight, I will be reading stories from the book Childhood Favorites and Fairy Stories, The Young Folk's Treasury. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Little Red Riding Hood In a great wide forest full of beautiful trees, and green glades and thorny thickets. There lived a long time ago a woodcutter and his wife, who had only one child, a little girl. She was so pretty and so good that the sun seemed to shine more brightly when its light fell upon her rosy little face, and the birds would seem to sing more sweetly when she was passing by. Her real name was Maisie, but the neighbors round about all called her Little Red Riding Hood, because of a scarlet riding hood and cloak that her kind old grandmother had made for her, and which she nearly always wore. She was a happy, merry little child with a smile 
and a gentle word for everybody, and so you may easily believe that everybody loved her, and was glad to catch a glimpse of her golden curls and her scarlet cloak as she tripped along singing under the green boughs. Now this, let me tell you before I forget, was at the time when all the birds and beasts, or very nearly all, could speak just as well as you or I, and nobody was surprised to hear them talk, as I suppose one would be nowadays. Well, as I was saying, Little Red Riding Hood lived with her parents in a little white cottage with a green door and a thatched roof and red and white roses climbing all over the walls and even putting their pretty heads in at the lattice windows to peep at the child who was so like them. It was on a bright spring morning, early in May, when Little Red Riding Hood had just finished putting away the breakfast cups when her mother came bustling in from the dairy. Here's a to-do, she said. Farmer Hodge has this very minute told me that he hears your granny isn't quite well, and I can't leave the cheese-making this morning for love or money. Do you go, my dear, and find out how she is, and stay. Take her this little pot of sweet, fresh butter, and these two new-laid eggs, and these nice, tasty little pasties. Maybe they'll tempt her to eat a bit. Here's your basket, and don't be too long away. So Little Red Riding Hood pulled her hood over her curls and set off down the sunny green slope with a basket in her hand at a brisk pace. But as she got deeper into the forest, she walked more slowly. Everything was so beautiful. The great trees waved their huge arms over her. The birds were calling to one another from the thorns all white with blossom. And the child began to sing as she went. She could not have told why but I think it was because the beautiful world made her feel glad. The path wound along through the trees, and as it grew wider after turning a corner, Red Riding Hood saw that she was likely to have company on her walk. For where two cross paths divided, there sat a big grey wolf, licking his long paws and looking sharply about him. And good morning, Red Riding Hood, said he. Good morning, Mr. Wolf, she answered. And where may you be going, sweet lass, said the wolf, as he walked beside her. Oh, Granny isn't very well, and Mother can't leave the cheese-making this morning, and so I'm taking her some little dainties in my basket, and I'm to see how she is and tell Mother when I get back, said the child with a smile. And, said the wolf, where does your good Granny live, little lady? through the copse and down the hollow and over the bridge and three meadows after the mill. Does she indeed, cried he. Why then, I do believe she's a very dear old friend of mine, whom I have not seen for years and years. Now I'll tell you what we'll do, you and I. I will go by this way and you shall take that and whoever gets there first shall be the winner of the game. So the wolf trotted off one way and Red Riding Hood went the other, and I'm sorry to say that she lingered and loitered more than she ought to have done on the road. Well, because of one thing or another, the sun was right up in the very midmost middle of the sky when she crossed the last meadow from the mill, and came in sight of her grandmother's cottage and the big lilac bushes that grew by the garden gate. Oh dear, how I must have lingered, said the child when she saw how high the sun had climbed since she set out on her journey. 
and pattering up the garden path, she tapped at the cottage door. Who's there? said a very gruff kind of voice from inside. It's only I, Granny dear, your little red riding hood, with some goodies for you in my basket, answered the child. Then pull the bobbin, cried the voice, and the latch will go up. What a dreadful cold poor Granny must have, to be sure, to make her so hoarse, thought the child. Then she pulled the bobbin, and the latch went up, and Red Riding Hood pushed open the door and stepped inside the cottage. It seemed very dark in there, after the bright sunlight outside, and all Red Riding Hood could see was that the window curtains and the bed curtains were still drawn, and her grandmother seemed to be lying in the bed with the bedclothes pulled almost over her head, and her great white frilled nightcap nearly hiding her face. Now, you and I have guessed by this time, although poor Red Riding Hood never even thought of such a thing, that it was not her granny at all, but the wicked wolf, who had hurried to the cottage and put on granny's cap and popped into her bed to pretend that he was granny herself. And where was granny all this time, you will say? Well, we shall presently see. Come and sit down beside my bed, dearie, wheezed the wolf, and let us have a little chat. Then the wolf stretched out his large hairy paws and began to unfasten the basket. Oh, said Red Riding Hood, what great arms you have, Granny. All the better to hug you with, said the wolf. And what great rough ears you have, Granny. All the better to hear you with, my little dear. And your eyes, Granny, what great yellow eyes you have. All the better to see you with, my pet, grinned the wolf. And oh, Granny, cried the child in a sad fright, what great sharp teeth you have. All the better to eat you with, growled the wolf, springing up suddenly at Red Riding Hood. Just at that very moment, the door flew open, and two tall woodcutters rushed in with their heavy axes and killed the wicked wolf in far less time than it takes me to tell you about it. But where's Granny? asked Little Red Riding Hood when she had thanked the brave woodcutters. Oh, where can poor Granny be? Can the cruel wolf have eaten her up? And she began to cry and sob bitterly, when who should walk in but Granny herself, as large as life and as hearty as ever, with her basket on her arm. For it was another old lady in the village who was not very well, and Granny had been down to visit her and give her some of her own famous tea. So everything turned out right in the end, and all lived happily ever after. But I promise you, that little red riding hood never made friends with a wolf again. The Tinderbox by Hans Christian Andersen a story about a tinderbox. Yes, but then, it was such a wonderful one. Why, it must certainly have been a magic box. It belonged to an old witch, this tinderbox, but it had been left right down inside a tree by the ugly old witch's grandmother. But get at it again she must, for she knew it really was a magic tinderbox. But how could she get it? Ah, here was her chance. Tramp, tramp, right, left, right, left. 
She heard the steps come nearer and nearer. She looked. There was a soldier coming along. Tramp, tramp. She could see him now with a knapsack on his back and his sword at his side. The soldier had been to the wars and was coming home. Good evening, said the witch as he came close to her. Good evening. What a bright sword you wear, and what a big knapsack. You shall have as much money as you wish for yourself. Thank you, old witch, said the soldier. But he did not tell her that she did not look as though she had much money to spare. He was too wise to say anything, but thank you, old witch. Do you see that big tree, she said, and she pointed to one that stood close by the wayside. It is hollow inside. Climb up to the top and you will see a hole. It is large. You must creep through it and let yourself down, right down under the tree. Tie a rope round your waist and I will haul you up again when you call. But what am I going to do under the tree? asked the soldier. What are you to do? Why, did I not tell you you should have money? It is there, under the tree. Copper, silver, gold. Gold, cried the witch in a rough and eager voice. When you come to the bottom of the tree, there's a large passage. It is quite light. Indeed, it is ablaze with light. More than a hundred lamps are burning. There you will see three doors. The keys are in the keyholes. Unlock the doors and walk in. In the first room, in the middle of the floor, is a big box. On the top of it sits a dog. He has big eyes. They're as big as saucers. But do not let that trouble you. You shall have my blue checked apron. Spread it on the floor. Go forward quickly, seize the dog and place him on it. After that is done, you can open the box and take out as much money as you wish. It is true the box holds only copper coins, but if you would rather have silver, just walk into the next room. There sits another dog on another box with big eyes, eyes as big as, oh, as big as mill wheels, but never mind that. Place the dog on my apron, then open the box and take as much silver as you wish. But if you would rather have gold, why then open the third door? There you will see another dog sitting on another box. This one is tremendous, quite gigantic, and he has eyes, oh, such great rolling eyes. They're as large as a round tower. He is a dog indeed, but do not let that trouble you. Place him on my blue checked apron, and he will not hurt you. Then take gold, as much gold as ever you wish. Splendid, said the soldier. You see, he had been to the wars and was a brave man. Splendid, but what am I to give you, old witch? You will wish something, I am quite certain of that. No, said the witch. I do not wish one single coin, but I do wish my old tinderbox. My grandmother left it behind her the last time she went down the tree. Well, tie the rope round my waist, said the soldier. Here it is, said the witch. And here is my blue checked apron. It is very important. Up the tree climbed the soldier. Into the tree he crept through the hole at the top and down, down the hollow inside he slipped. And there he was in a wide passage lighted, as the witch had said, by a hundred 
burning lamps. The soldier unlocked the first door he saw. There sat the dog with eyes big as saucers, staring at him in great surprise. I must obey my orders, thought the soldier. He placed the witch's apron on the floor, seized the dog bravely and placed him on the apron. Then he opened the box. It was full of copper coins. He crammed as many as he could into his pocket, shut the lid, placed the dog again on the box and passed on to the second door. He unlocked it. Yes, there sat another dog on another box with great eyes as big as mill wheels. If you stare at me so hard, you will hurt your eyes, said the soldier and thought what a joke he had made. Then he seized the dog, placed it on the witch's apron and raised the lid of the second box. Silver. Every coin was silver. The soldier threw away all his copper coins in a great hurry. He must have silver. He stuffed his pockets and his knapsack with the silver coins and clapped his hands. He was rich now. On he went to the third room. He unlocked it. There indeed was another box and another dog. And oh, horrible. The soldier almost shut his eyes. The dog had eyes, great big rolling eyes, eyes as large as a round tower, and they would not keep still. No, round and round they rolled. But the soldier was brave. He'd been to the wars. Good evening, he said, and he lifted his hat respectfully. For never before in all his life had he seen so big, so enormous a creature. Then he walked straight up to the dog. Could he lift him? Yes. He took the immense animal in his arms set him on the witch's apron and opened the third box. Gold. It was full of gold. He would be able to buy the whole town and all the sugar plums and all the tin soldiers and all the rocking horses and whips in the world. The soldier was delighted. He threw away his silver money. Silver. He did not want silver. Here was gold. He filled his pockets and his knapsack, but he could not bear to stop there. No, he crammed his cap and his boots so full that he could hardly walk. He was really rich at last. He shut the lid, placed the dog again on the box, and went out of the room along the passage. Then he shouted up the tree. Hello, witch. Haul me up again. Have you got the tinderbox? said the witch. Oh, that I had quite forgotten, answered the soldier, and back he went to fetch it. When he came back, the witch took the rope and hauled and hauled till there was the soldier once more, safe on the high road, just as he was before, only now he was rich, so rich that he had become very bold. He had gold in his pockets, gold in his knapsack, gold in his cap, gold in his boots. What are you going to do with the tinderbox? Just tell me that, said the soldier. That is no business of yours, said the witch. You have the gold, give me the tinderbox. Rubbish said the soldier. He had grown rude as well as rich, you see. Rubbish. Take your choice. Tell me at once what you mean to do with the tinderbox, or I will draw my sword and kill you. I won't tell you, screamed the witch. Then the soldier stabbed her, and the poor witch lay there dead. But the soldier did not stay to look at her. In a great hurry, he took his gold and tied it up in the blue-checked apron. He slung it across his shoulder, put the tinderbox in his pocket, and marched off to town. How grand he felt, 
what heaps of gold he had in his bundle. When the soldier reached the town, he walked straight to the finest hotel and asked for the best rooms and for dinner ordered all his favourite puddings and fruits. The servant who cleaned his boots tossed her head. Shabby boots for a rich man to wear, she said. But the next day, the soldier had bought himself very grand new boots and clothing so that no one could possibly call him shabby. Shabby. No, he was a great man now, and people crowded round this rich fellow, told him all the sights that were to be seen in their city, all about their king too, and the beautiful princess, his daughter. I should like to see her, this wonderful princess, said the soldier. But you cannot see her, they told him. She lives, the beautiful princess, in a great copper castle with walls and towers all round. Only the king visits her there, for it was once foretold that she would marry a common soldier, and that our king does not wish. I must see her once, just once, thought the soldier. But how is he going to find the way into the castle? That was the question. Meanwhile, he led a merry life. He drove about in the king's park. He went to the theatre. He gave money to the poor because he remembered how miserable it was to have no money in his own pocket. The soldier was always gaily dressed now. He had a great many friends who said he was a real gentleman, and that pleased him very much. And so he went on day after day, spending money and giving money, but getting none till at last the gold came to an end. He had only two copper coins left. He was a poor soldier once more. Leaving the Grand Hotel, he went to live in a small room. He found a tiny attic just under a roof, up so many stairs. Here he lived, mending his own clothes, brushing his own boots. He had no visitors, for his grand friends would not take the trouble to walk up so many stairs to his little attic. Hungry? Yes, he was hungry too. And as he had no money to buy even a farthing candle, he had to sit alone in the dark. One evening he suddenly thought of the witch's tinderbox. Surely in it there were matches. The soldier opened it eagerly. Yes, there lay the matches. He seized one and struck it on the tinderbox. No sooner had he done this than the door burst suddenly open, and there, there, staring at him, stood the dog with eyes as big as saucers. What does my master command? asked the dog. No wonder the old witch wished the tinderbox for her very own, thought the soldier. Aloud he said to the dog, Fetch me some money, and the dog instantly vanished to do his master's bidding. He was back in a moment, and lo, in his mouth was a bag full of pennies. Why, this is a magic box, said the soldier. I have a treasure indeed. And so he had, for, listen, strike the box once, the dog with eyes as large as saucers appeared, strike it twice, and the dog with eyes as big as mill wheels appeared, strike it thrice, and there appeared the monster dog, with eyes that rolled round and round, and were as large as the round tower itself. All three dogs did the soldier's bidding. Now the soldier could have gold again, gold as much as he ever wished. He moved once more to the grand rooms in the fine hotel. He had new clothes again, and now, strangely enough, all his friends came to see him and liked him as much as ever. One evening, 
The soldier's thoughts wandered away to the beautiful princess, the beautiful princess who was shut up so safely in the great copper palace. It is ridiculous that no one sees the princess, thought the soldier. I want to see her and I shall. He pulled out his tinderbox, struck a light, and lo, there stood the dog with eyes as large as saucers. It is the middle of the night, said the soldier, but I must see the princess, if it is only for a moment. The dog bounded out of the door, and before the soldier had time to wonder what he would do or say if the beautiful princess really appeared, there she was. Yes, there she was, fast asleep on the dog's back. She was so beautiful that the soldier was quite sure that she was a real princess. He stooped and kissed her hand. Then off ran the dog back to the copper palace with the princess. I had such a strange dream last night, the princess told the king and queen at breakfast next morning. I dreamed that an enormous dog came and carried me off to a soldier, and the soldier kissed my hand. It was a strange dream, she murmured. The princess must not be left alone tonight, said the queen. She may be frightened as she dreams again. And she told an old dame who lived at court to sit in the princess's room at night. But what would the queen have said if she had known? that what the princess told them was no dream, but something that had really and truly happened. Well, that evening, the soldier thought he would like to see the princess again. He struck a light, and there stood one of his obedient dogs. Bring the princess, ordered the soldier, and the dog vanished to do his master's will. The old dame sat beside the princess's bed. She had heard all about the princess's dream. Was she dreaming herself now, she wondered. She pinched herself. No, she was wide awake. Yet she saw a dog, a real dog with eyes as large as saucers in front of her. The dog seized the princess and ran off. But although he ran very quickly, the old dame found time to put on her galoshes before she followed. How she panted along. How she ran, the faithful old dame. She was just in time to see the princess on the dog's back disappear into a large house. I shall mark the house so that I may know it in the morning, she thought. And she took a piece of white chalk and made a great white cross on the door. Then she walked home and slept. Soon afterwards, the dog carried the princess back to the copper palace and noticed the great white cross on the door of the hotel where his master lived. What do you think he did? Oh, he was a wise dog. He took a piece of chalk and he put a great white cross on every door in the town. Early next morning, the king and queen and all the lords and ladies of the court were astir. They had heard the old dame's story and were going to see the house with the great white cross. They had scarcely started when the king's eyes fell on a great white cross. Here it is, cried the king eagerly. What nonsense you talk, my dear. It is here, said the queen, for almost at the same moment she too had seen a door with a great white cross. Then all the lords and ladies cried, it is here, it is here, as one after another they saw doors marked with great white crosses. The hubbub was terrible, and the poor old dame was quite bewildered. But how could she tell which door she had marked? It was quite useless. The dog had perplexed everybody, and they went back to the copper palace knowing no more than when they left it. But the queen was a clever woman. She could do more than just sit very properly on a throne. 
The same evening, she took her big gold scissors and cut a large piece of silk into small pieces. These she sewed together into a pretty little bag. Then she filled the bag with the finest grains of wheat. With her own hands, she tied the bag around the princess's waist, after which she took her gold scissors again and cut a tiny little hole in the bag, a hole just big enough to let the grains of wheat drop out whenever the princess moved. That night, the dog came again and carried the princess off to the soldier, and the soldier wished he were a prince, for then he would marry this beautiful princess. Now, although the dog had very big eyes, eyes as large as saucers, he did not notice the tiny grains of wheat as they dropped out all along the road from the palace to the soldier's window. Under the window, the dog stopped and climbed off the wall with the princess into the soldier's room. The next morning, the king and queen followed the little grains of wheat and very easily found out where the princess had been. Then the soldier was seized and put into prison. Oh, how dark and tiresome it was. But it was worse than that one day, when they told him he was to be hanged. Hanged tomorrow, they told him. What a fright the soldier was in, and worst of all, he'd left his tinderbox at the hotel. Morning came. Through the narrow bars of his little window, the soldier could see the people all hurrying out of the town. They were going to see him hanged. He heard the drums. He saw the soldiers marching along. He wished he were marching with them. Alas, alas, that could never be now. A little shoemaker's apprentice with a leather apron came running along. He was in such a hurry that he lost one of his slippers. It fell close under the soldier's window as he sat peering out through the narrow bars. The soldier called to the boy. There is no hurry, for I am still here. Nothing will happen till I go. I will give you two pence if you will run to the house where I used to live and fetch me my tinderbox. You must run all the way. The shoemaker's boy thought he would like to earn two pence, and off he raced to bring the tinderbox. He found it. A useless little box, he said to himself. But back he raced with it to the soldier. And then, what do you think happened? Outside the town, the scaffold had been raised. The soldiers were drawn up around it, as well as crowds of people. The king and queen were there too, seated on a magnificent throne, exactly opposite the judges and counsellors. The rope was being put round the soldier's neck when he turned to the king and queen and earnestly entreated one last favour, only to be allowed to smoke one pipe of tobacco. What a harmless request. How could the king refuse so harmless a request? Yes, said his majesty, you may smoke one pipe of tobacco. The soldier took out his tinderbox, struck a match once, twice, thrice, and lo, there stood before him the three enormous dogs waiting his commands. Help me, shouted the soldier. Do not let me be hanged. At once, the three terrible dogs rushed at the judges and counsellors, tossed them high into the air, so that as they fell, they were broken into pieces. The king began to speak. Perhaps he was going to forgive the soldier, but no one knows what he was going to say, for the biggest dog gave him no time to finish his sentence. He rushed at the king and queen, flung them high into the air, so that when they fell down, they too were broken all to pieces. Then the soldiers and the people, who were all terribly frightened, shouted in a great hurry, Brave soldier, you shall be our king. 
and the beautiful princess shall be our queen. And while they led the soldier to the royal carriage, the great big dogs bounded along in front. Little boys whistled, and the guards presented arms. Then the princess was sent for and made queen, but she liked much better than living shut up in a copper palace. And the wedding feast lasted for eight whole days, and the three monster wizard dogs sat at the table, staring around them all with their eyes. The Three Little Pigs Once upon a time, when pigs could talk and no one had ever heard of bacon, there lived an old piggy mother with her three little sons. They had a very pleasant home in the middle of an oak forest, and were all just as happy as the day was along, until one sad year the acorn crop failed. Then, indeed, poor Mrs. Piggy Wiggy often had hard work to make both ends meet. One day she called her sons to her, and with tears in her eyes told them that she must send them out into the wide world to seek their fortune. She kissed them all round, and the three little pigs set out upon their travels, each taking a different road and carrying a bundle slung on a stick across his shoulder. The first little pig had not gone far before he met a man carrying a bundle of straw. So he said to him, Please, man, give me that straw to build me a house. The man was very good-natured, so he gave him the bundle of straw, and the little pig built a pretty little house with it. No sooner was it finished, and the little pig thinking of going to bed, than a wolf came along, knocked at the door and said, Little pig, little pig, let me in. And the little pig laughed softly and answered, No, no, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Then said the wolf sternly, I will make you let me in, for I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew his house in, because, you see, it was only of straw and too light, and when he had blown the house in, he ate up the little pig and did not leave so much as the tip of his tail. The second little pig also met a man, and he was carrying a bundle of sticks. So Piggy said politely, Please, kind man, will you give me some sticks to build me a house? The man agreed, and Piggy set to work to build himself a snug little house before the night came on. It was scarcely finished when the wolf came along and said, Little pig, little pig, let me come in. No, no, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin, answered the second little pig. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in, said the wolf. So he huffed and he puffed and he puffed and he huffed. And at last he blew the house in and gobbled the little pig up in a trice. Now the third little pig met a man with a load of bricks and mortar and said, Please, man, will you give me these bricks to build a house with? So the man gave him the bricks and mortar and a little trowel as well and the little pig built himself a nice, strong little house. As soon as it was finished, the wolf came to call, just as he had done with the other little pigs, and said, Little pig, little pig, let me in. But the little pig answered, No, no, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Then, said the wolf, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. Well, he huffed and he puffed, and he puffed and he huffed, and he huffed and he puffed, but he could not get the house down. 
At last, he had no breath left to huff and puff with. So he sat down outside the little pig's house and thought for a while. Presently he called out, Little pig, I know where there are a nice field of turnips. Where, said the little pig, behind the farmer's house, three fields away. And if you'll be ready tomorrow, I will call for you, and we will go together and get some breakfast. Very well, said the little pig, I will be sure to be ready. What time do you mean to start? At six o'clock, replied the wolf. Well, the wise little pig got up at five, scampered away to the field, and brought home a fine load of turnips before the wolf came. At six o'clock, the wolf came to the little pig's house and said, Little pig, are you ready? Ready? cried the little pig. Why, I have been to the field and come back long ago, and now I am busy boiling a pot full of turnips for breakfast. The wolf was very angry indeed, but he made up his mind to catch the little pig somehow or other. So he told him that he knew where there was a nice apple tree. Where? said the little pig. Round the hill in the squire's orchard, the wolf said. So if you will promise to play me no tricks, I will come for you tomorrow morning at five o'clock, and we will go there together and get some rosy-cheeked apples. The next morning, Piggy got up at four o'clock and was off and away long before the wolf came. But the orchard was a long way off, and besides, he had the tree to climb, which is a difficult matter for a little pig. So that before the sack he had brought with him was quite filled, he saw the wolf coming towards him. He was dreadfully frightened, but he thought it better to put a good face on the matter. So when the wolf said, Little pig, why are you here before me? Are they nice apples? He replied at once, Yes, very. I will throw down one for you to taste. So he picked up an apple and threw it so far that whilst the wolf was running to fetch it, he had time to jump down and scamper away home. The next day, the wolf came again and told the little pig that there was going to be a fair in the town that afternoon and asked him if he would go with him. Oh yes, said the pig. I will go with pleasure. What time will you be ready to start? At half past three, said the wolf. Of course, the little pig started long before the time, went to the fair, and bought a fine large butter churn, and was trotting away with it on his back when he saw the wolf coming. He did not know what to do, so he crept into the churn to hide, and by so doing started it rolling. Down the hill it went, rolling over and over with the little pig squeaking inside. The wolf could not think what the strange thing rolling down the hill could be, so he turned tail and ran away home in a fright without ever going to the fair at all. He went to the little pig's house to tell him how frightened he had been by a very large round thing which came rolling past him down the hill. Ha-ha, laughed the little pig. So I frightened you, eh? I'd been to the fair and bought a butter churn. When I saw you, I got inside and rolled down the hill. This made the wolf so angry that he declared that he would eat up the little pig and that nothing should save him, for he would jump down the chimney. But the clever little pig hung a pot full of water over the hearth and then made a blazing fire, and just as the wolf was coming down the chimney, he took off the cover and in fell the wolf. In a second, the little pig had popped the lid on again. Then he boiled the wolf and ate him for supper, 
and after that he lived quietly and comfortably all his days, and was never troubled by a wolf again. Little Red Hen Little Red Hen found a grain of wheat. Who will plant this? she asked. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the goose. Not I, said the rat. Then I will, said Little Red Hen. So she buried the wheat in the ground. After a while it grew up, yellow and ripe. The wheat is ripe now, said Little Red Hen. Who will cut and thresh it? Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the goose. Not I, said the rat. Then I will, said Little Red Hen. So she cut it with her bill and threshed it with her wings. Then she asked, Who will take this wheat to the mill? Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the goose. Not I, said the rat. Then I will, said Little Red Hen. So she took the wheat to the mill where it was ground. Then she carried the flour home. Who will make me some bread with this flour? she asked. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the goose. Not I, said the rat. Then I will, said Little Red Hen. So she made and baked the bread. Then she said, Now we shall see who will eat this bread. We will said Cat, Goose, and Rat. I'm quite sure you would, said Little Red Hen, if you could get it. Then she called her chicks and they ate up all the bread. There was none left at all for the Cat, or the Goose, or the Rat. Good night. <laughs>